to shout out the background this guy in britain that did in united kingdom had done what i think is the most ultimate living room ever i think that's, that's in the background. amazing why he i don't think he even owns it anymore which is really depressing you know if i had a if i had a room like that i would have to make sure that i had a um an audio loop of the engine noise on oh. in the background so that i could be like completely immersed in the um in the moment right in the in the experience Undoubtedly. I mean, I would just learn science just to work. In it. <laughs> I would just like, I got to learn. I got to know something. No, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, I would have to figure out a way to make the touch screens. Um, like, like if I touched the screen, it would go boop, boop, boop with the sound effects. Right. Otherwise it just wouldn't be the same. <laughs> you never grow up. Like people would come to my house. I'm like, would you like some coffee? I'd like, They're like, you really need 37 <laughs> buttons to make me coffee? No, mm -hmm. just I just like touching buttons. The sound, yeah. I, th I think I can go like this. Oh, oh, my oh almost, almost. Oh. Yeah. oh, that gave me a Jones in my bones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask. I've been wanting to ask Jim you about this for a while. Do you get any kind of morbid pleasure as you watch online as we die and salivate to get our hands on the physical copies of these books? Does it give you any kind of little morbid pleasure? It, it yes. Yeah, short, short, short answer. Absolutely. Um, there, there are plenty of times like being the program manager and the line editor for this game. I'm usually the, I'm usually the primary eyes on everything. Right. And, uh, and you know, this is, this is a part-time job for me. So, um, I work a lot of late nights and, uh, and also because <laughs> I am the program manager and the line editor, there aren't that many people who see it once it's all together. Right. Like the layout people uh, will see it. And then the proofreader sees it. And then it's me. Because uh, like, you know, you writers, like you guys do great jobs, but you're working on specific chunks of the book, right? And then I get all of it and I edit it and then uh, clean it up and, and make all the modifications I need to make to it. Um, so there are plenty of times where, I, where I'm working on a book and, and I, I just know, I, I get that, that, that vibe of like, this is awesome. I can't wait for the fans to get it. And, and like, I'll, sometimes I'll drop a mention or like you guys know, it, or the fans know it's coming but I, I can't talk about it. And it's like, oh, oh, they're talking about the book and I want to say something. I want to drop a hint. I want to drop a screenshot or something, but I can't. Uh, so it's like, on the one hand, I'm frustrated, but then on the other hand, I'm like gleefully, you know, rubbing my hands like, oh, I can't wait for you to get this thing in your hands. And like, especially with Shackleton, man, I, I, had, been oh. work, I had worked on Shackleton for so long and I was so sick to death of looking at the PDFs of it that I was like, I was like, um, you know, it was like Christmas time. It was like, I have a gift for tens, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people out there in the world. And I can't wait for this gift to get in your hands because I want to see what you like. It's like Christmas. Or, you know, I know you don't celebrate Christmas necessarily, <laughs> but but like when you give a gift to somebody like, you know what it is and you can anticipate what their reaction is going to be. But you won't you don't really know until they actually open it. Right. And well, so I like, personally was seething with jealousy as <laughs> online. People are like, I got my book. I got my book. I got my book. And I'm sitting here like yeah. California with our slow distribution issues. Uh -huh. Yeah. When I finally got it, I just sat on the couch and, and hugged it before even opening it out of the plastic. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just I'll, I'll stop you know going on about this. But I, I will say that um, 
that is one of the the unexpected side benefits of doing this whole gig is, is that that connection with the fans and and knowing that um like what what I'm working on at two o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the morning or whatever it is that it's going to be met with such joy. Like there's so much anticipation for every new release that comes out. And, and, uh, and, and I, I just know that there's going to be excitement around everything that we do uh, so far because the fans are so great and, and they're so appreciative of the stuff that we're putting together. So uh, well, that keeps, it keeps me going. Yeah. And I know it puts pressure on you too. Good. Because if we're suffering, you should too, because that means the quality of the material has to be exceptional or we're going to yeah. talk about you. Um, yeah. I, I think I'm going to stand behind. We're talking about the game master's guide today. Again, I'm Michael Dismuke continuing. Uh, this is continuing conversations. We talk about everything Star Trek adventures. Um, we're with Jim Johnson. As he said, he's the project manager. And today we're wrapping up the final chapter of the game master's guide, which to me is my, I have to say, mm, yeah, it might be my favorite. It might be my favorite. My second favorite mm. is chapter five now, but chapter <laughs> seven is going to be uh, my favorite. And what's cool about it is, again, as you said, this book is a collection of fan talk. It really is. It's, it's a yeah. book of what questions they had, what people wanted to add. I had the privilege to work with a lot of other talented writers like Al Spader, El, uh, Aaron Paulier, Fred Love on things we did in our game homebrew that we dra dragged in here and so chapter seven talks about a lot of these optional rules so why don't you open it up for us um chapter 7.1 jim yeah i mean so so chapter 7.1 just starts kind of like introduces all the optional rules that we're going to be dropping on and uh you know i i, I the sidebar at the beginning is it, i titled it the menagerie and like literally it's the menagerie it's like i had all these like you and all the other writers and nathan were dropping so many great little rules bits optional rules bits at me and i had this huge chapter full of stuff and i was like how the heck do i organize this there is no way to organize this it's just stuff so it's like here here's a whole bunch of tools to throw into your toolbox use the ones you like ignore the ones you don't have fun and um so it was it was fun to edit it from that perspective um but so like to set it up you know nathan of course has worked on a whole bunch of 2d20 versions of the game now for a whole lot of different genres and milieus and stuff and, and I, I said, look, you know, you have an opportunity now to look at all those different games that you've designed over the last four years. Are there any rules that you've created since Star Trek came out that you could tweak and add into here so that, you know, game masters and players, if they if they liked some rule from Conan or some rule from Dune or some rule from, you know, whatever, they could tweak it and throw it into here if they wanted to. And so he added a bunch of stuff. And I know you guys added a bunch of rules, too, from uh, all your experiences. And, uh, and, and it works, so. Um, Are you telling me that this is the best of the best rule sets that we could have in maybe all of RPGdom? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, there we go. All right, so let's, so let's go over some of the highlights. We'll, we'll breathe through page by page because um, there, there was a lot. I, I'm gonna give a shout out to Al Spader. I think he's the one who had come up with extended consequences rule. Uh -huh. I, oh, I think so. I, I think so. I'm going to give yeah. a shout out because I'm starting to use that now. Basically, what it is is whereas an extended task, um, you know, you complete certain breakthroughs in order to achieve the task. This is more like a ticking time bomb that you have got to complete the task before everything goes wrong and the planet blows up on you. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's extended consequences. And he had a whole bunch of little uh, additional things like ramping up uncertainty, difficulties, instability, escalation, creating traits. I mean, your, your players know they're under the gun here. And I thought it was beautiful. I get to use it for um, the first time in one of my upcoming games. Nice. 
they don't know yet. Um, and so, and so I thought that was a really cool one. What's your next uh, highlight? <coughs> oh gosh. There's so many little great nuggets in here. like the, the optional rules for fatigues and for injuries, uh, morale uh, options for a little, just additional insight and options for healing characters. Um, uh, gosh, I'm just, I'm flipping through here. You based the patterns Speaking and maneuvers for starships. Well, what? speaking about healing, let's talk about hurting. Because for those who want to play a pew-pew game, mm-hmm. one of the things they put advanced combat rules in here. And what it reminded me of was Deep Space Nine, like the, the episode where Nog got it, lost his leg, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that was such a battle-intense, dramatic episode. And I was picturing it here, dive for cover, working with squads, you know? And I was like, okay, I could see how I could use this in a game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's just a ton of stuff in here. And I'll be honest, I, I haven't read this again recently, uh, so I have to go back through and refresh my memory. Um, but I just remember that there's just so many cool things that you all were dropping in here. I was like, oh, I could use that. I could use that. And uh, it just adds more texture to your to your game if you choose to use it. Like, you don't have to use any of this stuff if you don't want to, but um, you could. <laughs> and well, I'll shout, out, I'll shout out two last ones before we move on to the next yeah. section then. And evasive patterns and maneuvers. Um, mm-hmm. I have no trouble creating techno babble, but some players do, some people don't. And so we have a table in there so that you can pull a, you know, uh, attack pattern alpha three, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you need that, and also one of my favorite, probably most morbid boxes is casualty report. And right. the reason I want to state that we put this, I put this in my game is because I didn't want people rushing headlong into battle, thinking there aren't mm-hmm. consequences that if you're going to risk it and actually go into ship to ship battle, we're going to roll to see how many people got hurt or died. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so though that's an optional rule that got brewed up um, from different people on Facebook. And I started using it in my game and put it in here. So mm-hmm. again, a lot of cool homebrew rules um, that, that you want to take a look at here if you're a new game master, or even if you're a player and want to ask your game master to start using these rules. Mm-hmm. All right, talk to us about what encounters are, Jim, in uh, chapter 7.2. Oh, you beat me to it. I, I was almost going to flip it around and, uh, and have you tell us, tell us about these two chapters, sample encounters and sample uh, ascended tasks. Because if, if I'm not mistaken, you wrote both these chapters for the most part. Uh, so uh, tell me a little bit, why did you think, I know you convinced me, and it wasn't hard to convince me, but uh, you, you thought it was really important to include these. So tell me why. Honestly, it was inspired a lot by mission briefs. So mission briefs to me have been one of the most successful inventions that come out of Star Trek Adventures, especially Jim. Those were some of the best, and I know I'm fired up on them. I, I flash them into all my campaigns as much as possible. And encounters are basically one beat out of a mission brief in a sense. And you know, you may want to have an episode, as I talked about in earlier uh, episodes uh, of this of this podcast, where you're, maybe it's drama heavy, or you want to explore relationships between characters, but you need an encounter just to pick it up a little bit, an A B story. So these encounters give you just that; they're quick beats that you can drop in just to liven up um, a story. You, do you use them a lot in your games, encounters? Uh. Yeah, I do. I, I especially because uh, I'm really a big fan of uh, dropping in subplots and uh, plot seeds for future episodes, and um, having having encounters to drop in are a good way to do that. Because like they may sometimes they may seem to be uh, unrelated to the main A story, right? And they're not resolved by the end of the episode, and so the players are like, "Hey, why did we have that encounter over there? What, what was that all about?" And then they don't find out about it until a couple of sessions later. <laughs> and and, and I, I'll I'll shout out a couple. 
a, a couple that I had really fun creating that I hope I want to hear how people played them. One was um, the meta compact. And again, I do research on weird science sometimes and say, how would I play this in? And I just like the first sentence that this encounter begins with the player character's vessel getting trapped in a region of meta compact space in the shape of a convex polyhedron. <laughs> It's like play that, you know. So <laughs> exactly. And so I, I like that for you know, if you have science people, I, I play with Aaron Paulier and this guy is science heavy. So this is something that he'd salivate over. But then I also have one like street kids where they could be in the middle of any kind of adventure visiting an alien planet and they get pickpocketed. Maybe they lose a phaser. It's not part of the main adventure, but it's definitely a conflict that will add a little, you know, juice into the game. Um, so encounters are really good and it, for creative um, game masters, you could spend at night and just write up a whole bunch of encounters for the goal of inserting them into other campaign modules. Yeah, that's this is kind of like a, a outline on how to do that. Nice, nice. So let's go on to the next subchapter then, Michael, and tell us a little bit about the uh, sample extended tasks. Now, this was my favorite. So this is my literally my favorite section of the, this game master's book. And the reason why is there's tropes in Star Trek. There are things that consistently happen and you hear a lot of. And so what I did is I took each one of the departments, you know, command, con, science, engineering, medical, security. And I said, what are some common tropes of tasks that we see happening on the show? So, for instance, evacuating a ship, you know, or securing a border. You know, whether it's whether it's a border on in the ground or securing the Romulan neutral zone or something. Um, it could be if your security character tracking an enemy, you know, it could be surveying a star or excuse me, if you're a con officer tracking somebody, whether it's on the ground or whether it's in space. So what I did is I wrote four different common extended tasks that players may have to use. And as a game master, you can mod, you can use it as a, as a template, but you can change it. And there's even um, a couple uh, uh, templates where you could roll, is I'm using the word template, right? Tables, sorry. Tables where you can roll random failures, how long the work is gonna take. Even if you're like, say a medical officer, um, if you're doing triage, there's a chance you're going to lose people. Well, how many? There's a random table on how many people you might lose if things go right and if things go wrong. Um, but these are as many tropes that I could come up with from the standard TV show. So I encourage game masters to look at it and be like, oh, yeah, I can definitely adapt these in my game. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, cool. Yeah. So then uh, we uh, wrap up the chapter, uh, this overall chapter with a subchapter on uh, cultural structures. And uh, this was just, uh, you know, an opportunity to talk a little bit about uh, some of the high-level stuff that you can, use, as a game master, you can use to uh, start creating different new civilizations, new lives. So, like, you know, types of government, uh, types of um, uh, organizational structures, types of religion, different types of society that are out there, you know, brief descriptions of each of those. And we also included uh, random tables. So, like, if you just wanted to make a, a random, you know, planet or a random species or religion or whatever... Uh, and you need something off the cuff, or if you even just need it for uh, idea generation, right? Roll on the tables, get some ideas here, and uh, and drop those in there. What I really like about this too, and I, I started using it the minute I saw it, um, sometimes we don't have the words to describe everything. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong if you're doing your homework as a game master and saying, hey, I want to explain to you, we're going to run across a society where the religion is henothesi, he knows, see, I'm even having trouble pronouncing it. He knows theism. Did I pronounce that mm -hmm. right? He knows theism. You could actually, if you're doing this 
like over Discord, cut and paste the explanation in there or even read it out to people. And so to me, this was really nice when it came to both government types and religion types, being able to have those descriptions here as, as shortcut is really excellent work that was done. I think Al Spader wrote this chapter too, right? He wrote parts of it. Yeah. He, he wrote parts of it and I wrote parts of it and okay. uh, it ultimately it got cobbled together. But uh, I think he wrote the, I think he wrote the first two pieces on governments and uh, okay. uh, groupings of polities. And then I dropped in religion and uh, societies. Well, he taught me the difference between confederation and federation. So hey, there you go. that's great. I was able to use it right away <laughs> in the campaign, which was really cool. Awesome. So it doesn't matter. You know, I think, again, the highlight as we wrap up, you know, the, the Game Master's Guide, Jim, is whether you're a new Game Master coming into the game mm-hmm. or whether you're a seasoned Game Master, there's things to refine you into being one of the best game masters your players are ever going to see, which I thought was really cool. What's your wrap-up takeaway from the Game Master's Guide, especially now we're a couple months into its release? Yeah, I think I'll I'll give you two. The first one is, um, even if you are a Game Master new to Star Trek, this book will help you, because especially those first few chapters really ground you in the setting and in the game and what Star Trek is all about. So like, even if you're not feeling confident that you know enough of Star Trek to, to make it happen at the game table, I think just a core book and this book will probably give you enough to get through those first few episodes until you get uh, a chance to do more research or whatever. Uh, The second thing is, um, I know technically I probably shouldn't say this, but no matter what game system you're using, this book will probably help you, especially like the because the first five chapters are really about Star Trek, Star Trek storytelling, Star Trek RPGing. Those first five chapters are really kind of system agnostic for the most part. Uh, I didn't intend it to be that way, but some of the feedback I've gotten from people who've pre-ordered the book were saying, wow, this is a really great resource, but I'm playing, you know, I'm using uh, Last Unicorn Games, or I'm using Decipher, or I'm using a homebrew, or whatever other version of the, whatever, you know, mechanical piece. But I found this book really valuable because the the advice in it is so good that, that I can apply it to other Star Trek game systems or whatever and i'm like well you know i didn't intend it that way but you know what if there's crossover appeal then that's a win right that's a that's a total win because not only i mean obviously we're selling product but like it it actually helped you play your game better even if it's not a modifius game i don't care you know i just want you to be having fun playing star trek in whatever format that takes right so um i mean that makes happy because i know you know we started off recording this podcast just about the game master's guide i wrote the voice for a 13 year old niece who now has started playing the game and Mm -hmm. it hit mark there i want to hear from game masters who are maybe new to the system who picked up this book and it drove them to play the book Mm -hmm. and continuing missions which is our you know website continuing mission sta.org this is a fan-based website i love posting stories about what you did with the game i love seeing pictures i love seeing artwork i don't care if it's line drawings <laughs> i love posting and celebrating creativity it's mm-hmm. we're really an art blog is what we are so if you're a new game master hit me up on facebook you can get me at michael dismuke uh, one at gmail.com. If you're not sure how to spell it, look at my name in the corner here. <laughs> Michael just meet one at gmail.com and, and let, let us know your stories because we want to celebrate you and, and make people know what your Star Trek show looks like. What do you think, Jim? Yeah, sounds great. Just uh, I hope you hope you check out the book. Hope you enjoy it. I hope you uh, I hope it inspires you to, to at least try game mastering once. Uh, try a one shot. Try it. Try a standalone adventure or something. Get get your feet wet. You know, go with the basic mechanics and just go from there and have fun. 
And uh, I hope it I hope it resonates with you somehow, some way. And I hope it's a benefit. So uh, just uh, have fun. All right. As per tradition, we got to shout out a game shop. And of course, I'm going to shout out Troy Mepian's uh, game shop. And just so you know, Troy Mepian is one of our freelance writers um, at, at Modipius. He's also the best Romulan captain I've ever seen. He's captain of USS Pioneer, which is our game. And it's an amazingly provocative story. Um, he His favorite game shop is Fan First Sports and Entertainment in Kalamazoo, Michigan. He's been a customer there for over, get this, 30 five years. Troy, wow. I think you were born there. Um, he's run games there for o- over the years, and he hopes to run STA there as soon as he can round up enough players. So if you're in Kalamazoo and you want to play Star Trek Adventures, hit Troy up. He's Troy Mepians, and he's on Facebook. So you can always uh, look for him there on the Star Trek Adventures RPG, uh, Star Trek Adventures site on Facebook. What about you? Who do you want to shout out this time, Jim? Oh, gosh, there's so many people. I think uh, they don't I, I know they don't get enough love because they're pretty quiet and they're working hard, but I want to I want to send out a special shout out and thank you to all of the artists that have contributed art to Star Trek Adventures, not just the ones that Modifius has hired, but all the artists working for CBS, Viacom, CBS, Paramount, everybody who's contributed Star Trek art in some way and fashion to the to the franchise that we've been able to incorporate into the books. Thank you, because I know you're I, and I know I know you're not getting enough enough recognition and I'm trying to correct that, but I'm still trying to figure out how, the, like, the best ways to do that. And I know you're doing a great job because you are on continuing mission. You've reached out to a lot of the artists to interview them, which is fantastic. Please um, come more. I, I love interviewing yeah. all, all of them, too. So if you want a little promo, we'll hook you up at Continuing Mission STA. Yeah. Here. All right, cool. Wonderful. And, yeah, again, the quality of the books are beyond any RPG book I've ever seen. They're, they're, they're tabletop quality they're coffee table quality <laughs> books they're not just to be put up on a shelf yeah. and get dusty cool so with that we've moved the game master guide out of the way and the Woo. next episodes are not going to cover for chapters one through three of the player's guide because that'd be pretty redundant we've already gone over that because they're similar with the game master's guide but we're going to focus on how to maximize your playing experience and how to be the best player and there's a whole bunch of gems in the player's guide which we're going to cover on future podcast so until then this has been continuing conversations thank you jim for uh, again uh throwing these tidbits out for us and all these wonderful tips and tricks and gemstones and until next time live long and prosper IBIC. be well peace and long life This has been Continuing Conversations, a production of Continuing Missions. Learn more at continuingmissionssta.com. Produced by Studio Tembo. Learn more at studiotembo.com.